I'm speaking this morning from Mark chapter 3, verses 13 to 15. So glad that Jim shared what he shared this morning. I was going to kind of touch on a little bit of that this morning myself. Now I don't need to, though I might kind of just emphasize a little bit. It says this in Mark chapter 3, verse 13. Jesus went up a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Now, sometimes when... I'm not going to kick the puck. I'm just going to nudge it slightly. Um, Sometimes when I get asked to preach, Richard says... Preach on whatever you want to, however you feel led. Other times, he gives me a title. And today, he asked me to preach on being naturally supernatural. I don't have a problem when Richard gives me a title. Uh, And actually, I think Richard does a sterling job in generally overseeing our preaching and teaching content. Um, He doesn't pluck things out of thin air. He prays about it, and I think he's been spectacular recently in helping us and stewarding us in the season that we're in and that we're coming into. And I think what Richard did a little while ago in, in highlighting what actually characterizes success for a church, I thought was utterly, utterly brilliant. I thought what Gordon did in terms of coming along and encouraging us and releasing us to be a bit more in the prophetic That was so spot on, it wasn't true. And it was interesting, the following week, we didn't just have the usual candidates coming up to prophesy, we had a few extra. And one of them, I don't know who it was, and somebody actually went up to Gordon and said, that was your fault that I came up, because I felt that I had to have a go. And I kind of felt that God was prompting me. And we had Dave Collett come along and encourage us in terms of seeking God and spending time in God's word and how he's keeping a bit more of a journal of what God is saying to him and how that's challenging him and threw us out some things. I feel that this morning I'm going to build on that a little bit and I want you to kind of feel that sense that this isn't just a random talk. I am privileged to stand here. I don't feel that I'm qualified to stand here but I'm privileged to stand here Because God is saying something to us as a people. The granary is one strand of it. And the whole sense of the supernatural is another. And it's coming together. That whole sense of... the You see, the granary is not the church. And this is a mild rebuke, but a little bit of a gentle hint. If ever you're thinking of talking about the granary as Hope Church, that is not it. If you're ever thinking about... Well, I'm going to Hope Church. I'm I'm going to the granary. That's not it. We are the church. We are the people that God has called to himself. The granary is a tool, but I believe it's going to be a very, very effective tool to be based from. And I was so glad that Jim brought out that thing about being a storehouse for the nations, because I do think it is prophetic. But back to the whole thing of being naturally supernatural and you may well be thinking, well, why on earth did he choose that verse? How on earth is he going to get being naturally supernatural out of that? And 
I don't propose, like Dave Collett, I do not propose to do a three-point exposition out of this verse. But as I was kind of mulling over and praying and thinking what God wanted to say, I do believe that kind of I landed on this one. And I believe that there are some things and some keys because being naturally supernatural, God is not a slot machine, by the way. It is not a point one, point two, point three. And if anybody says there are 10 keys to being moving in the, nat- in the supernatural naturally, they're probably trying to flog you a DVD of their ministry, being blunt. Because there are some helpful things we can learn, but God is not a slot machine. It is not as easy as A, B, C. And the first thing that I wanted to point out is that Jesus went up a mountainside and he prayed. And he called to him those he wanted and they came to him. You may be here this morning, by the way, and often we hear the gospel presented as need, you know, you're at a needy point in your life, or there's this, or whatever. Actually, the gospel is about, I mean, there's an element of truth to that. Sometimes God does bring you to a point of need. Let's not gloss over that. But the good news this morning is that Jesus wants to call those that he wants. And you may be here, and you may be having a really, really great time in life, or alternatively, you might feel that you're one step away from ending it all says Jesus calls those he wants and this morning he wants you there's that old recruiting poster from the first world war you may well have seen it of Lord Kitchener where it says your country needs you it isn't that Jesus needs you your savior wants you he wants you and the first thing it says about Jesus calling his disciples is this. It says he called them to be with him. Please remember this. Presence precedes purpose. Presence precedes performance. In the best and most polite way, God does not need me and God does not need you to accomplish his purposes. He could do that all by himself if he wanted. The thing is, he has chosen to include you and I in his purposes in order to train you to overcome and to reign in this life and in the world to come. And more than that, he likes your company. And if you feel that actually somehow you've been missing out on your time with God, you kind of think, well, I haven't been reading my Bible much lately, and I I really could do with praying a bit more and whatever. It's not you that's feeling the lack of that as much as God is feeling the lack of it, because He wants your presence. He wants your company. He wants your heart. And before we outwork anything, whether it's preaching, whether it's driving out demons, whether it's any sense of the miraculous, he wants 
your presence. And he wants you to want his presence. In fact, that's one of our strap lines as a group of people pursuing his presence. And there's a couple of quotes, because there's a very, very popular book called um, Purpose Driven Life and Purpose Driven Church. There's two books. And a couple of people have come out lately and said, well, actually, I'm less purpose-driven and more presence-led. Actually, I don't think it's one scoring points against the other, quite honestly, because if you pursue his presence, you will discover your purpose. But presence precedes it all. And the cry of God this morning and in this whole season is he wants you to come up closer to develop more of a fellowship relationship with him. Because fellowship comes before function. God is not into performance-related pay. God is more interested in you coming alongside so that he can share things with you. So when God was contemplating pouring out judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah, he said, hang on a minute, I have to have a chat with Abraham about this because Abraham's my friend. We need to have a little bit of a chat about this. And it may seem a bit odd, the concept of, well, actually, God just wants to have a little bit of a chat with you. But God is a speaking God. And in, I think, I'm pretty sure it's in Amos, but correct me if I'm wrong, there is actually a verse where it says this, surely the sovereign Lord does nothing except that he reveals it in advance to his servants, the prophets. That's a staggering verse when you consider the enormity of it. But God wants to share more and more with you. Because the more you dwell in his presence, the more you interact with him, the more you get to hear his voice, the more sensitive you are to the little nudges and the little promptings in everyday life that will open up more of a supernatural life to you. And sometimes the supernatural is, I mean, they say some people are born to greatness, others have greatness thrust upon them. It's possibly some, some people are born to the supernatural, others have the supernatural thrust upon them. And occasionally you feel, and tell me if you've ever been in this position where you feel that God has stitched you up like a kipper. Where he has put you in a situation and the only way out is the supernatural and you've been landed in this supernatural, in this situation, you think, oh yeah, thank you, Jesus. Because he's put you in this position and he instigates it. Other times, he just puts you in a position where you need to take a little bit of the initiative. But a relationship with God and a relationship with Jesus that goes deeper puts you in a position where you can... I hate to use the phrase, take advantage of that, but you can, it, you can be more reliable and more consistent in that. And the thing is, Jesus is fundamentally interested in your life. The little details, 
He wants to share with you. He wants to be involved at a deeper level because he wants you. And that is the key starting point of this message from that verse. Jesus called to him those he wanted and they came to him. Before he appointed them as apostles, he called them to be with him. Now, there was an element of discipleship in that. There was an element of training with that. But it was that Jesus wanted to be in a position where he said, I no longer call you servants. I call you my friends. And we sing that song, I am a friend of God. And one or two of you sing that song and you think, do you know what? I'm not sure that I am. But you see, God wants to draw you a little bit closer this morning and in this season. To say, I want to share. I want you. Draw aside. This isn't, come on, have you had your quiet time? Have you spent your time in Bible study? This is God wants you. Because the thing is, when Jesus said about teaching us to pray, he said, when you pray, say, Father. And that's relational. And it's Father in heaven. And that's, the, the theologians say that's the imminence and the transcendence of God. God is imminent. He's close. He's our dad. But he's also almighty God. He's the God who spoke and the worlds came into being. Now that's powerful. Now that puts six, seven hundred thousand into context. Because God created the heavens and earth out of nothing. He spoke and worlds came into being. Now that's provision. That's pretty spectacular. God is miraculous on the provision front. Because some of you, when I announced naturally, supernaturally, you thought, oh, he's going to go on about healing again. <laughs> yeah, come on, seriously. I know some of you were thinking he's going to go on about healing again. The miraculous has a whole, and the supernatural has a whole different thing, and it's based on your relationship with God. Because it's about dad who is a big God. But our priority is your kingdom come, your will be done. He wants us to be interested about all of the things that he's interested in and he wants to share his heart with us about those. Because there is a verse which says, seek first, one or two of you, seek first, seek first, Seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added to you as well. If you pursue the kingdom of God, all of these things will be added to you as well. Interesting enough, I thought I'd be my own visual aid this one. I'm just going to kind of, I'm going to tell a couple of little personal stories this morning. It's not because I feel that kind of I'm anything, but it kind of just illustrates the humanity of it a little bit. Rachel and I often go out for breakfast, I would say often, but kind of, it's our, it's our kind of, if we go out, it's more of a regular Saturday morning thing, we go out for breakfast, more because I kind of work evenings and late at the moment, so kind of going out for an evening is a little bit more kind of not quite so doable, so often we kind of find it easier to kind of catch up, because sometimes I'm still in bed when Rachel goes out to work and Occasionally I come home and she's gone to bed. So kind of it's, it's kind of a bit of a catch-up time. And 
a little while ago, we went out for breakfast. And um, she was saying, oh, I'm, I'm going to go off. I'm going to get my eyebrows done. I'm going to do this, whatever. What are you going to do? And I said, actually, I could do with a jacket. And I've, I've been thinking in my head, this is a conversation. I was saying, Jesus, I could do with a jacket. Because you might have noticed, and I don't want to make too much of this, but I have lost a bit of weight over the last year. And it doesn't, oh, no, don't, don't clap. It's, it's just for purposes of illustration. Well, thank you for the clap, actually. But kind of the, um, but, um, the, the point is, is that kind of essentially none of my clothes fit. Or none of my older clothes fit. And I kind of, because in the overall scheme of things, world poverty, kind of possibility of climate change or any of that kind of stuff, really, the fact of me needing or wanting a jacket and divide it how you like is neither here nor there. However, I'm a man of a certain age. I like jackets. In fact, actually, I found a photograph of me aged 19 the other day wearing one. So it's been going on for the last 40 years. Um, but I quite like jackets. And kind of the thing is, I didn't have one that fitted. And I've been saying, yeah, Jesus... I quite fancy a jacket, but, you know, kind of, I don't want to spend a fortune on one because actually I'm kind of transitioning in size and I might end up being a bit smaller. You see, you might think, yeah, but why do you bother God about that? Well, I kind of walked out of the restaurant saying, yeah, I could fancy a jacket, Jesus, I really could do with one. And I went to a couple of charity shops and I went to this one charity shop and I usually check the labels. It's not that I'm a label snob, but some are a bit more designer, and kind of designer usually means they're tighter. And I found this one jacket, and it was the right size, and I tried it on, and it's this one. And I tried it on, and it's not actually a color that I'd normally go for. And I was trying it on, and a bloke walked past, not from the shop, and he said, that really suits you. And I kind of thought, hmm. And I looked at the label, it was under a tenor. And I thought, that suits me even more. And it was almost I felt that God was saying, do you want it or not? You asked for a jacket, do you want it or not? And I thought, yeah, actually, do you know what? I do. So I bought it. Here it is. Now, you might say, yeah, but that's hardly world-changing, is it? No. Is it supernatural? Possibly. I had a conversation with God, said I needed a jacket. He opened the door. Here we go. The fact is, God is interested in whether or not you want a jacket. God is interested in a lot of things. He wants you to interact more and more with him about the detail of your life. Personally, often in the morning when, or when my alarm goes off, my first word is, good morning, Alexa, what's the weather today? <laughs> yeah, you know I've got one of those things by my bed. Actually, perhaps... God will rather it's, good morning, Holy Spirit. What's on your heart today? And you might think, yeah, but I'd never do that. But actually, do you know what? Why not? Good morning, Holy Spirit. How are you today? Good morning, Holy Spirit. What adventures have you got today? That takes on a whole new purpose and a whole new possibility. Because I wouldn't want you to think that the whole thing about supernatural living is about having a certain status in ministry or a certain personality which is why some of you were thinking oh no he's going to go on about healing again this morning and the trouble is is that sometimes you will think yeah but of course that's your gifting and you're called to that and I'm not but actually 
Jesus calls us all to be with him and sends us out on a purpose. And that's irrespective of your academic qualifications or your personality type. Because as someone once said, God does not call the qualified, but he does qualify the called. And this morning, and in this season, God wants to bring us a little bit closer and challenge us a little bit more to step out more into the supernatural. And the starting point for that is spending and involving God in every detail of your day and of your life so that it becomes a habit. So that actually, whether it's a challenge at work, a challenge in the family, a challenge in business, or whatever it is, it becomes very, very natural that our first recourse is we're sharing it with God, whether it's something good or something bad. The other day, you will have caught me, and it was a little while ago, actually, because the weather's been rubbish lately in terms of playing golf, but you will have caught me on the 18th tee at Puckrup, hitting, which is a par three, 200 yards over a pond, I might add, and I hit the thing eight yards from the pin, and my initial reaction when I... And, and, I said it in my mind, but I said, did you see that, Jesus? And you might think, yeah, but that's a bit weird, isn't it? But it's like, that's important to me. And it's like, thank you, Jesus. Now, on the other hand, I spent the rest of the previous 17 holes thinking that ball is demon-possessed. That needs deliverance. But the 18th hole, you have to know, has always been a bit of a personal challenge to me. And to hit it eight, eight feet from the pin, it's kind of like, whoa, did you see that? Because the thing is, Jesus is interested in your day to that degree. That might sound flippant, but that will open up a lot more to you in the supernatural. The other thing I'd suggest that you do as part of your fellowship with Jesus and your fellowship with the Holy Spirit is speak in tongues a lot. Now, Gordon mentioned a lot about speaking in tongues previously. And Jim often talks about speaking in tongues, so I'm going to jump on the bandwagon a little bit more. And the reason I'm going to jump on the bandwagon is that the Apostle Paul says this. A lot of you are convinced of it, but actually you don't do it quite as much as you could do. And I personally find it very, very helpful. And the Apostle Paul, who is a paragon of moving in the supernatural, wrote this in the New Testament, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and with no sense of bragging, he said this, I thank my God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. Now, this is a guy who had to endure, had to endure prison, persecution, beatings, as well as the presence of God. And he said, you know what? I thank my God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Speaking in tongues opens up a lot of possibilities and you get a lot of encouragement thrown in along the way. I'm going to tell you two stories, because if you're here thinking, yeah, but... A few years ago, we, um, as Rachel and I, uh, having been in the church here for quite a long time, spent, I think it was about three years, being part of City Church in Gloucester. And at one of the meetings that I was at... Um, 
forget whether I was preaching or whether or not I was just kind of part of stuff going on, but I actually felt the go, and it was, again, kind of like part of the worship, part of whatever. I felt to go up to this woman on the end of the row. I knew who she was, and I knew her husband, and pray over her. I didn't have anything particular other than just, and if I don't have anything particular, I end up speaking in tongues, because it's kind of my default thing that I do. And I spoke in tongues over her and walked off, and her husband vaulted over the chair, which actually was a good accomplishment, because he's older than I am, and came out and said, do you know what you prayed? And in my heart, I thought, well, yeah, the spirit prays, but the mind is unfruitful. And I was praying in tongues, and no, I haven't got a clue. I said, no, Brian, I have not got a clue. He said, you prayed in Portuguese. I went, news to me, I do not speak Portuguese. And he said, I was a missionary. We were both missionaries in Brazil. We speak Portuguese. You prayed over my wife in Portuguese. I thought, whoo, that is interesting. Because, again... There's a couple of you here this morning, and you do speak in tongues a bit, but you're kind of like, is it me? Am I making this up? Am I just babbling away? Come on, I th- I'm not the only one who thinks that, surely. You don't think that, do you? <laughs> Occasionally you think, oh, come on, am I really making this up, or is it really Jesus? Yeah, can it... Things go through your mind. And that is, that is an encouragement. And, yeah, sometimes I find myself speaking in... It's the same language. Sometimes it's different languages. If it's the language of tongues or language of men or language of angels, who knows? But there was one instance where it was Portuguese. I've never learned Portuguese. There are a few languages where I can order a coffee and order a beer, say please and thank you, but that's about the limit of it. But if ever I was going anywhere for work, I generally worked out how to order a coffee or a beer and say please and thank you. That's about as far as it goes. Portuguese, I've never been to Portugal and I know no Portuguese. But that was an interesting thing in the supernatural for me, and I was, I was a bit encouraged. But the fact is, speaking in tongues opens up a whole realm of possibilities, because it also says the person who speaks in a tongue builds themselves up. And you will find that I wouldn't say it's a precursor to moving in the supernatural, but it really does prime the pump. It really does kind of help you move. And I would like to encourage more of you to speak in tongues more. Because the joy is you can do it when you're driving, you can do it under your breath when you're you're at work, you can do it in the shower, you can do all sorts of stuff. And it kind of tunes your heart in and it tunes your mind in to be sensitive to what's happening around about you. The thing that really then comes out of this, ma- this passage, because Jesus commissioned them as apostles. An apostle literally means sent one. And Jesus said to his disciples, he said, as the Father sent me, so send I you. And we can't ignore the fact that We have been called as supernatural people to take a supernatural kingdom into our world. Jesus is supernatural. Miracles were kind of part of the way of life because Peter came to him one day and said, do you know what? The tax collectors are here. And Jesus said, go to the sea, go fishing, and the first fish you find 
you'll find a coin in its mouth. Pay your tax and mine with it. Now, some of you may well go home to your goldfish bowl this morning and kind of, come on, spit it out, spit it out. But for some of you, that's a real thing because over the last few weeks, we've been having a big thing about the gift day coming up and some of you were thinking, I have not got two brass farthings to rub together. How am I going to do a gift day? God wants you to move into a new area of supernatural provision, both for you and to see it in the church. But you need to kind of break through in your own life first. You might have noticed I've got this here. That is to remind me. I keep it on my shelf in my study at home to remind me that God is my provider. Why do I do that? Well, going back a few years, I was leading a church and it got to a school holiday and kind of what normally would happen at school holidays is I'd be ill because I was kind of like working part-time for a church and working part-time in a job and kind of spare time kind of went out the window. And usually what happened is kind of came to a holiday, I'd get ill. And I turned up to a prayer meeting of the church with bronchitis, still went, and one of the guys put his arm around me and said, God, just want you to give Bill a holiday. And I kind of thought, oh, great. Because the thing is, self-employed, you take time out, you don't get paid. And I'm thinking, oh, there's that there. How am I going to afford a holiday? All this kind of stuff. And Rachel took the kids, and some of you have heard this story before, but I'm going to repeat it because it bears repeating. Rachel was taking the kids out for a walk, and one of them had said to her, are we going to have a holiday like real people have? Because the thing is, you've got to involve, not only involve yourself in the supernatural, you involve your kids and your family in the supernatural. And they're walking along, I'm going to abbreviate this a little bit, they're walking along the towpath of the canal. And there's a canal boat goes past in these colours. And Rachel and the kids get involved with helping the guys open the lock gates and whatever, and they're walking along. And at the next set of lock gates, they invite Rachel and the kids on board and say, do you want to come on board? And the conversation then goes a little bit further. And the guy says, what do you do? What does your husband do? He says, uh, my husband pastors a church. I'm a student teacher. And he said, yeah, he said, it's interesting. He said, when you stepped on board, he said, I'm a Christian. God spoke to me and said, her husband's a pastor. She's a teacher. Give them the boat for a holiday. <laughs> and so I keep this on my shelf to remind me that God is my provider. That whatever God calls me to, he will provide. Whatever he asks me to undertake, he has gone before me and he provides for me. And you need to know this morning, that is not because I stand up here and I'm a preacher. God could provides for me because I am his child. And you can experience his love and his provision because he has all the resources of heaven that he can make available to you. But you know what? He actually wants to get to know you a heck of a lot more. It's better to know him than have a few quid in your bank account, trust me. But you'll become more sensitive to the kind of promptings that you experience. I, I was at a party once and this is going to be about one of the last stories that I will share, and I'm going to move to a close with a couple of quotes. 
I was at a party, and there, there were a few people kind of, a few young kids kind of messing around outside and generally banging on the windows and being a bit disturbing. And I got elected to go and have a word with them. I don't know whether it is because I'm an imposing kind of, you know, tall, broad, whatever. And I was walking down the corridor. I thought, well, I can either kind of... And this thought dropped into my mind. And not everybody, every thought that drops into your mind is God, but I thought this one is. Because I can either go along and say, come on, stop messing around. And I kind of felt to open up with a phrase of, anybody want to know about Jesus? And so I went out the door, and there they are, messing around. I said, oh, anybody want to know about Jesus? They said, what, you're a priest? I kind of thought, well, priesthood are all believers, that counts. I went, yeah, I am. And one of them said, yeah, my grandmother's a Pentecostal. I know a little bit about that. I went, okay. And the other one goes, do you believe in miracles? I went, yeah, I do. He said, I've had toothache for years. Can you pray for me? I went, all right, pray for her. Toothache went. I had a very attentive audience. Now, actually, I'm not, I don't normally get a very attentive audience with kids and teenagers, which is why Chris bless you, but I'm not responding to the appeal for kids' workers. But let's just say they were rather attentive because the supernatural will open doors and there are more doors that God wants to make available to you if you'll be attentive. Push the boundaries. Push the envelope a little because you'd be surprised what God will do because God wants to make things available to you And I tell you what, that kind of stuff, when it becomes a bit of a habit, it's such an adrenaline rush. It really is. But it's more than that, I kind of think, do you know what? God partnered with me. How cool is that? And that kind of just inspires me to kind of, thank you, Jesus. But, and this is where I'm going to duplicate Gordon a little bit, Gordon was encouraging us to prophesy but you have to overcome fear and have a go. And I'm going to encourage you, move a bit more in the supernatural in a safe environment, like here. Now, okay, I understand the microphone police and the walk of shame. And before, I'm not having a go at kind of the fact that we kind of screen stuff and put it in order or whatever, but I tend to sit a couple of rows back, and I've been in the church for years, I have a certain kind of, even then I know, oh, I've got to go, and you have this argument with yourself, is this God speaking to me, is this just a wacky idea? Ah, then I've got to walk all the way to the front, and I've got to have a word with somebody with the microphone, and then I've seen the time, and if I don't get to do it, everybody's going to see me walk all the way back. (laughs) And then they're going to think, oh yeah, he had a duffer. His word didn't get past the police. He's got to go all the way back to his seat and everybody's looking at him. They're not looking at Jesus. They're not looking at the words. You know, you feel that every eye is on you as you're walking back to your seat. Now, I understand all of that. But let's face it, if we can't overcome that, how are we going to overcome the fear when we've got somebody talking to us who says, do you know what, I've had back problems for ages. Because that's a whole different fear game. And let me tell you, no matter how long you've been at this, fear is still real. 
and you have to kind of just push through. Donald Campbell, who broke the land speed record and the water speed record several times and actually died trying to break it again on Lake Coniston. All his vehicles were called Bluebird, whether they were cars or boats. And a British TV journalist once asked him this. He said, are you ever afraid, Donald? And he said this, of course I'm afraid. Every time I get into the Bluebird, I'm afraid. Courage is not being fearless. Courage is overcoming and smashing through fear. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, President of the United States, said this, Courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the, the uh, assessment that something else is more important than fear. To be natural, su naturally supernatural, you're going to have to break through the fear barrier. But your assessment must be that there is something and someone more important than that fear. It's him and his call on your life and what he's called you to do. Because Jesus said, fear not, little flock. It's my father's pleasure to give you the kingdom because he wants to involve you in every detail, both of your life and his kingdom. And he wants you to get to the point where it is just natural that you flow out of that relationship, you break through the fear barrier, and you do some exploits for him. Now, I am going to pray for us in closing. But I just want to make this point. Yes, you can... And seriously, the prophetic for me has opened up big things in my life. I could tell you a lot of stories about that. People laying their hands on me has opened up things for me. But there comes a point where you have to move beyond, because as, as charismatic Christians, we're big on crisis, we're big on the event, we're big on prayer. Don't get me wrong, I'm not underestimating it, that's important. But beyond the laying on of hands, beyond the prayer, there has, be a, has to be a commitment to actually move out and step out and do the stuff. And that's a whole lot of learning. That's a whole lot of just pressing through. And yeah, sometimes you might fall flat. But, I mean, I've prayed for a lot of people. Some of them haven't been healed. Some of them have died. But you know what? A lot of them got healed. And I can give you a whole range of people that I've seen healed from multiple sclerosis, terminal cancer, deaf and blind. I could give you a longer list of my failures. But I wouldn't have seen those without those. And I think the only reason I've seen those is I'm dumb enough to have a go. You dumb enough to have a go? Are you willing to have a go?